Um, for me, it's really interesting, right? There's a lot that's going on. There's a lot that's being changed to try to make it a little bit more beneficial for uh, the end consumer or the end client or the constituents of the United States, right? The population to try to continue to promote saving for the long term um, and saving for retirement, which is fantastic. I really like the emergency savings account. I think for specific households, this could make a lot of sense. The one thing I don't like about all of this is what we hit on multiple times is nuance. Welcome to Critical Thinking Required, hosted by LBW. This podcast is intended for free thinkers, entrepreneurs, and knowledge seekers. Join us as we discuss relevant financial topics, explore with guests their financial journeys, and engage with experts in industries such as space, media and entertainment, real estate, and many more. Buckle up and enjoy the ride. Welcome to Critical Thinking Required. You're with your host, myself, Tim Bickmore, and my colleague, Caroline Kale. Caroline, how are you today? Good. How are you doing? Good, good, good. Thanks for joining me today. We are going to talk about a very exciting topic, Secure Act 2.0. Isn't everyone excited? I'm excited. There we go. <laughs> At least Caroline's excited. Maybe our viewers are too. There actually are some really good uh, new changes to legislation when it comes to retirement accounts, different things that may affect you. And Caroline has been doing a lot of research on behalf of LBW, and we wanted to give some of Caroline's knowledge out to the public and to our listeners and our viewers. Now, Caroline mentioned to me, Tim, there are 90 different things within this documentation. We're not going to hit every, we're not going to hit all 90, but we did pick out a few that we felt were important that we want to talk about. Just so everyone knows too, there's a lot of nuance and some detail behind some of these um, legislation points, and we're not going to go into the details. If everyone has questions about some of the details, that's what we're here for. Please reach out. We can talk about it, um, but we're just going to keep it a little bit more high level and pick out a few nuances that we felt were pertinent to our viewers and our audience. Does that sound cool, Caroline? Are you good? Sounds good to me. All right. All right. So let's get into our first topic. Um one big one that came up, it looks like, is the changes in RMD ages. Now, this can affect a lot of people. So tell me a little bit about it. What's going on with the change of RMD ages? And I will, for our listeners, RMD stands for Required Minimum Distribution, which you're required to take money out of certain qualified or retirement accounts at certain ages. Okay, Caroline, what do we got? What are the changes here? So the original SECURE Act in 2019 raise the RMD age from 70 and a half to 72 years. Well, the Secure Act 2.0 takes that a step further and it increased the ages even more. Okay. So the easiest way to kind of describe this is going by the year you were born. So if you were born before the year 1951, there is no change to your RMD age beyond what was changed from the original Secure Act back in 2019. So if you were born in 19... 1951 to 1959, your RMD starting age is 73. Okay. If you were born in 1960 or later, your RMD age is 75. Got it. Okay. Now this is a big deal. I know this sounds like, you know, Caroline's hitting certain nuances and ages, but for our listeners, what's going to happen is when RMD started was 70 and a half a few years ago. Then as Caroline mentioned, they bumped it up in 2019 and now they've bumped it up again. So the reason why this is a big deal is you're, if like if your RMD age is now 75, 
that's an additional four and a half years where you don't need to take money out of your IRA, for example, which can then allow it to continue to grow tax deferred. That's a big deal. It can also change how we take out distributions and do different things. And that's one of the reasons why we wanted to kind of bring that up is this is actually a pretty big piece of legislation um, that got pushed forward and, and moved, which can and really change people's direction in retirement savings. Is there any other kind of nuances in there, uh, Caroline, when it comes to these changes for the RMDs? I think just one thing that's kind of important to turn to point out is, hey, Caroline, I'm turning 72 this year, 2023. Is my RMD age going to be 72 or is it going to be 73? That's a great so question. So the answer to that question is if you are turning 72 in 2023, you will not have to take an RMD this year. You will start when you turn 73 in 2024. Gotcha. Okay. So then that's built in within the Secure Act 2.0. They're like, hey, this is exactly how we're going to handle this specific little gap. Yep. Great. Yep. I think that's something really important to point out there. <laughs> awesome. That is very important. All right, so let's move on to our next topic, 529 plans. So everybody knows 529 plans is a college saving vehicle um, that individuals can use to obviously save for their children's college or yourself. You could use it for yourself as well. And they're really great vehicles because they can be tax deferred or tax free when it comes to the growth of the account, depending on how it's distributed, which is fantastic. So it's a really great vehicle specifically for this type of goal. Now, what happens though, as we talk to a lot of our clients is, what happens if I fund this for my child and they don't go to college? What happens? There is currently a penalty. That penalty is 10%. So let's say you know you have $100,000. You have a 10% penalty on that $100,000. And then in addition, let's say you contributed $80,000. So you have $20,000 of growth. That $20,000 of growth would then also be considered income tax to you. So you can have risk... You, there is a risk which you could overfund this type of account if your child elects not to go or you don't have any room to find quali uh, qualified uh, savings or qualified expenses that meet the criteria to avoid these penalties. However, which is where Caroline comes in, in Secure Act 2.0, there are some changes that kind of help ease a little, that, a little bit of that pain when it comes to the potential of overfunding this account. Caroline, what do we got on that? So, yeah, so these 529 accounts, there is that risk of overfunding, whether the whether the child chooses not to go to school or whoever it may be, whether they choose not to go to school or, you know, they get scholarship money and don't use the entire balance, what have you. So what the Secure Act 2.0 does is they allow for up to $35,000 from each individual's 529 account to be rolled over directly into a Roth IRA. Yes, that's a big deal. That's this is big... exciting. This is exciting news because that eliminates a little bit of worry as far as these penalties are concerned. Yes. And so there's a few different things to point out here though. The 529 account must have existed for 15 years or more. Okay. That's a big deal. Cause that's a long, I mean, 15 years. All right. We got, we got to keep that in consideration. Right. Also, any contributions made in the last five years are not eligible to be rolled over Got as it. well. So All you right. can open an account today, throw in some money and in five years, roll it over into a Roth. It would have to have existed for 15 years. 
Got it. So there is some nuance that we have to pay attention to. There are some things we have to think about. But overall, it is easing the pain of, okay, what happens if? And to be able to fund a Roth account for an individual at 35, uh, 35K, like for your kid, not a bad idea. Could be some really great things. Again, not to dispense advice on this, but it's just something to think about and to take into consideration um, with this big change when it comes to 529s and the Secure Act 2.0. It's pretty awesome. Is Another it thing to point out, it's not subject to the same income limitations as regular Roth IRA contributions. Interesting. At Thank least you. not as of right now. Of course, things may change in the future. If you're listening to this 15 years from now, I'm sure things may have changed. But I honestly, Caroline, I hope people are listening to this podcast 15 years from now and be like, remember when Tim and Caroline, <laughs> that'd be great. Time capsule back, back when the Secure Act 2.0, back in 2022, I guess, is when this was passed. Yeah, that would be awesome. Okay. <laughs> is there anything else? Those are some good nuances. I like that. I mean, I, again, I think what Caroline's pointing out is that this nuance should be taken into consideration. Definitely talk to a qualified professional, talk to them about it, see what it could be. It just opens up the door for positioning when it comes to 529s and this idea for a college saving goal. So let's, okay, let's move on to our next topic. This one has to do with employer retirement plans. And I know it has to do with more than just what I'm going to say, but let's just for our audience sake, put it into a vacuum, 401ks. So there's some changes to 401ks. As everybody may or may not know, within a 401k, you have options to, to put towards a traditional account within your 401k. So again, think your 401k is this bubble. You got a 401k traditional underneath that. Also, you have a 401k that is a Roth account that the employee can contribute to up to a certain amount. You have kind of options. Now, the reason why I'm kind of creating this nuance is not every single 401k plan has both options they may only have the traditional side, right? Which is pre-tax money going in. The Roth is after-tax money going into those accounts. Now, what's interesting is that with an employer contribution where they match, it's up to this point, the employer could only put their money that they're matching for the employee into a traditional account. However, that seems to be changing. So Caroline, what are we doing when it comes to 401ks and the employer side of the contribution? Yeah, so the new thing with the Secure Act 2.0 when it relates to 401ks is that now employers have the op option, or I guess the employees have the option to elect that their employers contribute to their Roth 401k account directly instead of the traditional side. So in the past, there was no option there. Now there will be the option for the employee to say, if they do have a Roth account open, I'm contributing to the Roth. I would like my employer's contribution to also be Roth. Got it. That's a big deal, right? That's yeah. getting more money into Roth. And again, I know there's a lot of debate within our world as Roth or traditional. It's all very nuanced. You have to understand. Karen and I have read a really nice research paper where it comes down to, you know, I, we don't know. There's a lot of variables that comes to play when you're talking about choosing a Roth versus traditional, which is why we would say, please talk to your advisor or a qualified professional on what makes the most sense for you and your household. But it is interesting. It gives you now optionality to be able to do that on the employer side, which is fantastic. Caroline, are there any nuances specifically to this change in legislation that we should think about? There sure, there sure are some nuances here. Okay. So first of all, this is effective immediately um, as of this year. However, 
it's dependent on when the individual custodians actually develop these accounts, paperwork mm. that's associated with them before they can actually, before it can actually happen. Got it. Got it. So you're telling me that, you know, if I'm an employee, it's not going to be all of a sudden automatic where I can make the choice. It's going to be like, hey, has the 401k plan or the custodian been able to set that up to be able to have said choice? Exactly. Exactly. And then it won't be just an automatic like, hey, I'm contributing to a Roth 401k right now. And my employer was contributing to the traditional side. It won't automatically switch the employee will also have to elect that. So this won't be an automatic switch. It's going to probably take a little bit of time, although this does go into effect this year. So that's the first thing to point out. Okay. What else we got? Second thing is that the employee will have an increased amount of gross income. So for whatever their employer contributes to their Roth account, since this is an after-tax account, that amount will be included in the employee's gross income for the year of the contribution. Oh, interesting. Okay. So it's going to up like, so if you get your W-4, you're going to probably see, or your W-2, now your W-4, you're going to see an increase. They're going to use that so they can get taxed because it's after tax money going into this account. Correct. Correct. Interesting. Great. That's great. And it's not the employer paying that, that would be the employee paying that extra tax there. Just as if you contributed that money to a pre-tax account in the future, when you withdrew it, the employee would pay that tax at that point as well. Got it. Good to know. That's great. Is there any other nuances of that specific? Uh, It it applies only to matching and non-elective contributions and not profit sharing contributions. Okay. That's good to know. All right. All right. We're going to keep going with the retirement accounts because I feel like we're really vibing here. All right. Oh, yeah. (laughs) 401k catch-up contributions, those are changing as well. So everybody knows, for our listeners, there is in 401ks, if you're over a certain age, that age is 50 years of age, correct? That's 50. Um, You can do what's called a catch-up contribution, which means you can contribute more than, say, somebody who is younger than 50, which is great. Now, there are some changes to that specifically that are coming up. Caroline, what's happening to these people over the age of 50 that can make, they can do catch-up contributions. What can they do with those now? So effective in 2024, so not right now, but next year, uh, high wage earners. So this is somebody who made $145,000 or more in the previous year. And this is wages, it says. So this, it's still a little bit gray as to what sort of income this is going to include. But high wage earners are required to use the Roth option for their catch-up contributions. Did you say required? Required. That's required. All right. All right. This is no new option here. Yeah. You just got to do it. Yep. Okay. So that, that is something that we may hear a little bit more about. They may clarify a few things before this actually begins next year. But as of right now, that's basically the high level of this. So this applies to catch-up contributions for like 401k, 403b, or governmental 457b plans, but not catch-up contributions for IRAs. So that is an important nuance to point out. Got it. So it sounds like if you are over that uh, wage limit going into 2024 and you're doing catch-up contributions, You just probably want to talk to your HR department or your 401k administrator and be like, hey, is this being implemented? Is this moving forward so you can be aware of it? 
Now, what's also going to be interesting in this nuance is let's say you then leave your employer and let's say you only contributed traditional accounts. You may now have a Roth account. It's okay. You can do direct rollovers to a Roth IRA or a traditional IRA, but you're just going to make sure that you know which one is which. They do a pretty good job with the accounting and keep it separate, right? They, they really, they have to, but it's just so you know, in the event of rolling things over, that's what you probably need to kind of take into consideration. Now, we just talked about qualified 401ks. Now I'm going to bring it back into self-employment type of plans, which we're going to use two separate ones, what is called a simple and a SEP IRA. So people who are um, sometimes small businesses can employ these type of plans, or if you're self-employed, you can also deploy these type of plans for yourself. Now, what's been interesting is up to this date, you could only contribute to a traditional side of these accounts, which again is pre-tax. You get the tax deduction today, your earnings go in and grow tax deferred and you're taxed once you pull the money back out. However, with Secure Act 2.0, there's been some changes here. Caroline, what has changed with these types of accounts going forward? So what has changed with these accounts is that previously this the simple and set plans could only include pre-tax funds. Now there is a Roth option for those as well. Also a big deal. That's There's a lot of Roths going on, it sounds like, in Secure Act 2.0. A lot of Roth changes, a lot of now we can do Roths in different ways, which is really, really interesting. Is there any nuance to this one specifically? One thing to point out with this is this is effective in 2023, technically. Okay. But like I said, with an earlier provision that we were discussing, it will take probably some time for custodians to develop these accounts, paperwork drawn up and everything, and then for people to actually elect and open these accounts and start contributing to them. So technically, this is effective this year, 2023, but it may take a little bit of time, maybe not till the end of the year or in 2024 before things really get in motion as far as this is concerned. Okay. All right, we got our last topic. We're going to round it out. Emergency savings accounts. So within the Secure Act 2.0, they are creating, I guess I would say, a new account or a new ability. It sounds like to do this, what they're considering emergency savings. Caroline, what are they doing? How does it work? What, is, what does this mean? It sounds like they're trying to really make it um, applicable to people who want to contribute money and maybe earn a match but don't necessarily want to put it directly into a 401k because they may not be financially quite there yet to make contributions to account that's hard to take out of until you're roughly 59 and a half. There's some nuance to that, but we'll just say 59 and a half. What do we got going on with this emergency, emergency savings account? So these emergency savings accounts, it seems like they were kind of created, like you said, for employees to be able to take advantage of employer matching funds when they can't afford to contribute to a, a retirement plan. Mm. So if they were contributing that money to a retirement plan, but they also needed it that same year or pretty soon, and they weren't going to be at, let's say, age 59 and a half, whenever they can withdraw that money without any penalties, that would they, they would have to incur the penalties. Yeah. So this is kind of one way to eliminate that. So this emergency savings account is a, a sort of new account. It's kind of similar to like a 401k or 403b it's actually going to be linked to those existing employer retirement plans yeah and employees who are eligible to participate 
in the employer's retirement plan, like the 401k, can contribute to this emergency savings account that was created as a result of the Secure Act 2.0. Technically, it's not created yet. The legislation was passed, but this will be effective next year in 2024. So as far as contribution limits, contributions must cease once the balance is $2,500, almost a $1,000, $2,500. And then employers can actually impose lower maximum limits at their discretion as well. But that is the absolute max according to this act. Okay. A few other things to point out. Yeah, please. They, the plan, the account, or the person, the administrator of the account must allow at least one distribution per month. They may not impose any fees on distributions for at least the first four distributions from the emergency savings account each year. So what this kind of means is you can save this money from directly from your paycheck into the emergency savings account up to $2,500, earn your employer match, and then be able to withdraw that money in the same year without imposing those penalties that you would if you had said contributed to a traditional or Roth 401k and you were not at the age where you could withdraw those without penalties. Yeah. And and in addition to add on to that is sometimes employers may not allow early distributions either. So, right, there's a lot more restrictions when it comes to that outside of the penalties that make it hard to distribute. Now, yes, you can take a loan, you can do different things depending again on the 401k plan, but this really is set up to be like, you can have access to these funds and potentially still receive your match, which is great, right? Matches are free money that are coming to you, right? Directly from your employer, So just give you easier access to those funds if you're not prepared as a household to make 401k contributions. I think there's a lot of nuance to that one as well, but it's great for our our listeners to know in case they're in that position to ask their employer about it going into 2024, right? And is this an option that I have um, for me and my family? And then obviously, as I've said multiple times here, talk to a qualified professional, see if it makes sense, see if that's what you should be doing or not, what the ramifications would be um, but it is an interesting thing. I like that the legislation is trying to help people out um, and still receive that match if they don't have the capacity to earn it because they need the cash flow today, um, which some some families and households are in that position and, and they and they may need to do that. So. Absolutely. Yeah. One thing to point out with this um, is the distributions from this emergency savings account are treated as qualified distributions from a Roth account. So they will be tax and penalty free. Great. Okay. Because it would be after tax contributions going in. So you'd have already paid the tax on them and it's just putting them into this account within the employer sponsored plans, getting the match versus putting that in a saving savings account at a bank or some other institution that you would not get your employer match. So that's the incentive there. Got it. That's awesome. That's awesome. Caroline, I think we, I think we hit our, our six, uh, our six points that we wanted to point out. Right. I think, I think we're good. Is that, it is all six. We sure did. Okay. So we, again, for our listeners, there was 90 different points or different legislation topics within this secure act 2.0. We only highlighted six. There's a lot that has gone into this and there are some impactful changes, Caroline and I felt that these were the most impactful changes for what our listeners um, should really take into consideration, ask about, 
uh, which is great. Um, but before we close off, Caroline, you know, I'm happy for to start with a little bit of final thoughts, and then I'd love to hear a little bit of your final thoughts um, before we close out. Um, for me, it's really interesting, right? There's a lot that's going on. There's a lot that's being changed to try to make it a little bit more beneficial for uh, the end consumer or the end client or the constituents of the United States, right? The population to try to continue to promote saving for the long term um, and saving for retirement, which is fantastic. I really like the emergency savings account. I think for specific households, this could make a lot of sense. The one thing I don't like about all of this is what we hit on multiple times is nuance. There is a lot of nuance to these points. There's a lot of nuance to this, this act. So again, please talk to an advisor. Please talk to a qual qualified professional. It is not a straightforward answer. This is not a yes or no. This is what makes the most sense for you, your family, and your household. So please get in contact with people that can help you work through it to make sure it makes sense for you specifically. Um, and I do appreciate you, Caroline, for, for taking a deep dive into all this stuff because it's a lot. So those are my final thoughts. What do you got? Do you got anything? It was absolutely a lot. <laughs> There's a lot there as we talked about, but hopefully we kind of simplified it down so that the our listeners can take away something from this. And I hope that there is something, some takeaway for every single person who's listening to this, whether or not it's the best for your situation or not, maybe it'll spark conversation with your financial professional. And yeah, I like I'm, that. I'm excited to see what happens as a result of these changes? I think it's mm -hmm. some interesting changes happening here. A lot of Roth. So we'll yeah. see what. A lot of Roth, a lot of Roth. And I think, <laughs> I think you hit a good point. It's like, this is like inception. Hopefully we incepted an idea in your head that then can, you know, propagate and ask questions and learn more to better yourself. I love that. I love it. I love it. I love the spark conversation. Absolutely. It definitely sparked a lot of thought in my head. For sure. <laughs> there you I go. I love this. I love it. I love it. Well, thank you so much um, to our listeners, our viewers. And thank you, Caroline, obviously, for, for joining me today. And uh, I hope everyone has a great night. And again, talk to a qualified professional about Secure Act 2.0. Thank you. Thank you. Like and subscribe. Thank you for taking the time to start your journey of thinking differently and listening to LBW talk about stuff they love. Until next time. The opinions expressed in this program are for general informational purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual on any specific security, on any specific broker-dealer or custodian. It is only intended to provide education about the financial industry. To determine which investments, broker-dealer or custodian may be appropriate for you, consult your financial advisor prior to investing. Any past performance discussed during this program is no guarantee of future results. As always, please remember investing involves risk and possible loss of principal capital. Please seek advice from a licensed professional. All opinions expressed by podcast participants are solely their own and do not reflect the opinion of Leach, Bickmore, and Weiss Wealth Management LLC. Leach, Bickmore, and Weiss Wealth Management LLC is a registered investment advisor. Advisory services are only offered to clients or prospective clients where Leach, Bickmore, and Weiss Wealth Management LLC and its representatives are properly licensed or exempt from licensure. No advice may be rendered by Leach, Bickmore, and Weiss Wealth Management LLC unless a client service agreement is in place.